Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to the MMTV NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Brandling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, we are doing something a little bit different this week. It's kind of a hybrid show because as some of you loyal listeners probably noticed, we did not do the usual uh, Monday recap show this week uh, because of the holiday, but also because those games were utterly unwatchable, and uh, <laughs> I don't really know if we wanted to discuss them. Uh, we just kind of, you know, let's... Let's push week 16 out of our minds forever. Yeah, I agree with that. And first of all, happy holidays, Gary. Yes. I hope uh I hope you had a wonderful um celebration time mm-hmm. and uh you know, everything was good. Um did you get everything that you asked Santa for? I did, which was uh uh a couple of Twix bars, pretty good. <laughs> that's that's about it. How about you? A- a lukewarm cup of black <laughs> coffee in five minutes alone. Uh, yes, no, it was great. Uh, everybody had a uh, everybody had a good time. We're rocking uh, the space between uh, school opening back up right now, so everybody's everybody's fired up mm-hmm. and uh, and excited to be here. So nice. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Here's what we're doing on the show. We're going to basically go through division by division. Uh, it'll be a, a touch of Week 16 uh, developments. Also, we obviously had some news developments since uh, the Week 16 games wrapped up here. And we're just going to kind of size things up around the league. And we'll see how it goes. First time we're trying this. First time we're trying a show where we talk about football for an hour. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> you know, that Woodstock 99 show was good. But it's time to uh, time to get into some NFL football here. Can we, by the way, just go, let's go back for one second, because I am, I'm still, 
okay so woodstock 99 was like the like netflix did one i think spotify mm -hmm. did one uh there was another podcast company i think that did one and it was it was the fire festival before the fire festival there was so much content put out on this and it was watched and downloaded by millions and i'm not our podcast but the uh all these uh, specials <laughs> on woodstock 99 and i'm completely blown away at the lukewarm reception that we got from our listener base on this like you were there i was completely blown away by this i still think i thought about it on christmas i thought about <laughs> you being at woodstock 99 yes. on christmas i have to be i don't think i've thought about it like at all since i left the actual uh the actual venue uh, except for our conversation on the podcast. And again, our, my conversation with our, our former wonderful MLB editor, uh, Gabe Baumgartner, a couple years ago, who had a similar reaction to what you're having. Because I didn't take in any of these. Uh, my biggest takeaway is it was it was just kind of boring. It was crummy. It was boring. I don't really want to relive it. like And not in like a, a, a post-traumatic stress type of way, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. The, the, you know, the music was okay. Uh there was a lack of water. There were a lot of really annoying people and it went on for three days and then it ended. <laughs> and I just don't want to think about it anymore. And Jewel was there. Is that right? Yeah. What a... I, it's this is crazy to me. Like I know that she was there. Yeah. Oh man. I, we, we needed to switch lives for a second. I would have been so much better at going to Woodstock 99 than you. I, I would have been probably. <laughs> I, I won't defend my behavior there. Uh, it was boring behavior. I got really sunburned. Uh, that's another thing. It was just kind of like, oh, all right. Well, I'm glad this is over, and now it's time to move forward with my life. All right. We're officially closing that chapter of uh, of podcast history. I just I, I still can't get over it. I, I still can't get over the fact that uh, people aren't as enraptured in this as I am. I'm, you know, I don't know. I got to let it go. I got to learn to let it go. But yeah. let's... Uh, Let's boogie. What do we got? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to, you know, most places, they start with, like, AFC East, and then they move to the North, South, West. We're going to do it opposite. We're going to start with the uh, with the West Divisions. We're going to hit each conference, and then we're going to move on to, uh, in reverse order of tradition, the South, then the Norths, then the Easts. We'll do it that way. Never eat shredded wheat, Gary. That's how you, that's how you remember North, South, East, and West. Okay. Did you ever do that? No, I I didn't think <laughs> I, I didn't think it was worthy. Wheat. I didn't think it was worthy of mnemonic device. Well, because it was the order, right? So you'd go. You have mm -hmm. to do the. So I'm doing the finger thing right yeah. now. Never eat shredded wheat. Going clockwise. Never eat shredded wheat. Okay. Yes, going clockwise. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Cool. Okay, we're starting in the AFC West here, and obviously the big news coming out of the division is not playoff related. It's um, Nathaniel Hackett is out, which. The writing seems to have been on the wall for quite a while, uh, but it doesn't make it doesn't make this season or this development necessarily make a whole lot of sense going forward. So I think this is where I've landed with it and wrote as much. It's not shocking if you take the 30,000 foot view on this and say, OK, they got rid of their head coach after this happened. What is shocking to me, and again, I give George Payton some measure of credit for coming out today 
um, and we're recording this on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He held a press conference today, the day after the firing, and said, hey, most of this is on me. And that's true, right? You spent way too much on Randy Gregory when a lot of people probably thought that wasn't a good idea. You spent way, way, way too much on Russell Wilson when I would guess that if you used your connections around the league, I think there would be a lot of people who would have waved big red flags and said, hey, this doesn't seem like a very good idea. If you would have read Sports Illustrated, I think we could have, Mm -hmm. you know pointed you in the right direction there and, and said did, it wasn't a good idea. Didn't want to pay that $7 a month to get our digital offering. So now I know George are. and you, and it, you know, and you're all, you know, you only get four premium articles without it. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, just make the investment. Uh, but so I don't under, so here's where it's disappointing. So you have new owners in Denver and they're falling for the same exact cyclical, ineffective power structure that every bad middling franchise has fallen for in previous years. So you have Penner up here, you have the new owner, and then here's what happened during the season. He comes in and he goes, oh gosh, what's going on here? This is terrible. And so you have Nathaniel Hackett, theoretically, probably saying, uh, the quarterback's not running the offense. And like, you know, we're telling him to run the two minute drill and he's just not calling plays in bleeding time. So we had no choice, but to yank him off the field and kick a 65 yard field goal. I don't know what you want me to do here. And then you have the GM theoretically talking to the owner and saying, Oh yeah, Russell Wilson's an all-star. I don't understand why this guy can't play with him. Uh, this coach, right? Each one in a battle to keep their job, mm-hmm. but as in most front offices, the GM is just closer to the owner. Yeah. He talks to the owner more. He's able to spin the narrative easier. And I think from day one, my take on this at least, is that if you looked at all the leaks coming out of Denver, they all were in an effort to point the blame at the head coach. For example, leaking the fact that they emergency hired a game management coach. How many game management coaches can you name in the NFL? How many teams probably hire, dismiss, change, or bring in game management coaches throughout the year. And we've never heard about that in any other scenario except for this one, right? Yeah. Where the GM wants it to look like the coach can't handle a situation. You know, this is all positioning to me, at least. It seems like it's all positioning. And so, you know, now you have a situation where Penner gave a press conference, right? And the new head coach is going to report directly to the owner and the GM is going to report separately directly to the owner. And you're setting yourself up for complete and total failure because, of course, the same thing's going to happen again. The new head coach is going to say, hey, Russell Wilson can't be fixed. George Payton's going to say, sure, he can. Uh, We just need to get the right guy. And on and on and on we go. I mean, gosh, like how, how many look at look at what's working in the NFL right now. Look at the teams who are succeeding. I would venture to guess, I just did the power rankings yesterday, that the top 10 teams are in some way, shape, or form, I would say a majority of them have a coach who is tied at the hip with the GM mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Yep. And so that's the only way you can do it. Now you can say, okay, the Eagles, Howie Roseman, it's different, but Howie Roseman also hired Nick Sirianni. Um, you can say the Dolphins, sure, I'll give you that one. But I think that was an exceptional circumstance. Um, 
Otherwise, I mean, you know, these guys are all tied at the hip. They're brought in together with the same vision. And it's just, you know, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone is going to take the Broncos job, but smart people will not. Good coaches will not. Coaches who know it's their only shot will take it. I mean, and again, if we could go back to week one where this narrative sort of started to grow that, you know, and and then look at the talking point for everyone has been like, oh, Nate Hackett, he's, he's out over his skis. He's in over his head, whatever, uh, you know, whatever cliche and metaphor you want to use. And it's like, OK, well, how so? Um, well, game management. Okay, well, that, you know, quarterback had a lot to do with that and again quarterback was calling a place for the two minute drill like you know it's and he's just not running them if you go back to that seahawks team and what did everyone say uh boy how can you play for a field goal there you got a 250 million dollar quarterback if you were in the same you know scenario in november uh would anyone be like oh you got to put in russell wilson's hands they had a couple games where they put in russell wilson's hands it didn't it didn't go very well uh uh, you know hmm there were a lot of coaches in Russell Wilson's prime who were hesitant to sort of work with it because he was a guy who sort of relied on improvisation so much, uh, playing off schedule so much, even uh, when the plays worked. And look, Aaron Rodgers was always the same to an extent, too. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would tend to come up with just spectacular plays. Russell Wilson would do that to an extent, maybe not uh, as frequently. But, uh, you know... You kind of saw it in that final meltdown game uh, on Christmas Day when when the world was punished by having to watch Rams Broncos. Uh, <laughs> that interception by Bobby Wagner was it, it was like it was like exhibit I don't know what we're, we're on to the Greek alphabet. We're like exhibit theta at this point of Russell Wilson is not <laughs> going to be able to just stand in the pocket and play quarterback like he wants to, and I get why he wants to. It will. Uh, it will keep him healthier. It will make his career longer. It will probably make his post-career more enjoyable. Uh, but you know what doesn't really work when you're a 5'11 quarterback is doing like a no-look throw. Because not only can you not see, but the guys can't really see. Uh, Bobby Wagner can't really see where you're looking. You're looking him off, but he can't see you. So it doesn't matter that you're looking him off. Uh, again, there are... 10,000 problems with Russell Wilson insisting on playing strictly from the pocket at this point in his career. That was just another one to pop up. Uh, So the next coach that comes in, I would guess you have to, you have to hire a defensive guy. I mean, you're back, you know, shopping the the Vic Fangio, Vance Joseph type of uh, uh, coaches. And then you're just going to, you know, I mean, look at, I guess you look at Carolina and say, you know, Ben McAdoo was kind of on the scrap heap. The Panthers picked him out, and, th- and now I'm get, you know, Ben McAdoo's having a great year. Uh, maybe you find someone like that to run the offense, but you're certainly not going to get anyone coveted to come in and run this offense. And whoever comes in, I, I don't know who has the conversation with Russell Wilson uh, or exactly what form that conversation takes. Because do you, do you come in and say, like, look, man, like, we realize we gave you more money than uh, anyone on the planet has, and also we gave you, you know, office space in the building, and we gave you all the power in the organization, but please don't use it going forward. Uh, I think the button you can maybe push is say, boy, wasn't that an embarrassing season? 
let's not do that again. I bet that didn't feel good. Uh, I bet you didn't like everyone mocking you for uh, for four months there. Let's figure out how to avoid it. And how you avoid it is, here's an offense. It's kind of like what you used to run. Uh, and this is what we're doing. And you're going to have to run it this way. And if he doesn't, just going to have another coach fire next year. So I think uh, I give credit to our Albert Breer, uh, my friend, your friend, in no particular order. Um <laughs> For writing this in his uh, uh, Monday afternoon quarterback column, which I thought was really strong in the wake of the Hackett firing, which was, I mean, this is all coming down to one guy. This is all coming down to to one person, one thing. It's Brian Schottenheimer. Like, that's it. Like, you're going to, like, all roads lead to Brian Schottenheimer at this point, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, he's worked with Russell. He can kind of connect with Russell. He can understand him on a little bit more of an intimate level. I'm just telling you, like, it's going to have to be that because there's no other, uh, there's no aspiring play caller with options that is going to sign up for that. It's just not. And when I, I wrote about that yesterday a little bit, I said, you know, there's not going to be a head coach that's going to take this job. And everyone said, oh, well, NFL teams always find a way and always seem to fill one. Yeah, sometimes with like David Culley. Yep, you know, or Lovey Smith. And some coaches won't take bad jobs because they know it's their one and only opportunity. And you know, you can only recruit here if you promise these guys that if this doesn't work out, you're just going to send them away. And they have to trust you and believe you. So, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be uh think it's going to be dicey but i agree with albert i think my money is on cowboys analyst brian cornelius schottenheimer to come in here and uh and call the plays next year all right man what a what a world hey guys it's ray from the bobby bone show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new suv like an adventure ready rav4 let's go Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, let's let's go on to the Chargers. Good news here. Uh, they clinch a playoff berth with their Monday night win over the Colts. Uh, Brandon Staley's job appears to be safe, even with Sean Payton uh, assembling his all-star team of coaches to come after I, uh, everyone. Was that uh, so? I don't know if our readers heard this, uh, but that was like part of the Sunday splash yeah. reports. Um, and I, I think it was ESPN who had. And I don't doubt that Sean Payton thinks this. My question is, why did this get released now? Um, because listen, if you're a team that has already decided to give up what it's going to take to get Sean Payton, which is at least two first round picks and two second round picks. Mm -hmm. That's the John Gruden threshold to trade for a Super Bowl winning head coach. Plus a hundred million dollars in just head coaching salary. That's Mm -hmm. about what he, I think he, you know, I I think he was probably somewhere in the, whatever the 14 to $17 million range in new, in new Orleans. If, if a team has already decided to do that, why why is someone in his camp selling themselves right now to be like, oh, I'm gonna have really good coaches? Don't you see this over here? Like, if a team was already like, yeah, I know, we're gonna trade <laughs> the entire future of the franchise and be like, yeah. well, I hope you have good coaches. <laughs> like, yeah, like you know, I, all I'm saying is we we don't need sales salesmanship. That's what I'm saying, and so I wonder if the market is not necessarily what he thinks it is right now. It could be, uh, or it could just be, you know, settling any any jangled nerves for an owner who who fears that Sean Payton will show up for training camp after being hired and be like, like, Without a defensive oh, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's just me. like, oh my god, my staff. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Forgot how this works, guys. Uh, I thought they just already Get out of the here. game too long. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but anyways, it looks like Brandon anyway. Staley is is probably sticking around, uh, and I don't know. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are back. You're seeing a little bit more out of this offense, uh, but just a little bit more. And I just hope they unleash this thing when it gets to uh, when it gets to the wild card round. At this point, yeah. I, just selfishly, I don't think anybody in the world cares about my fantasy football team. But uh, they unleashed Mike Williams just enough. If he had one more catch, I would have been knocked out for the uh, finals. <laughs> so I think Mike Williams is perfectly unleashed. <laughs> Uh, on Monday Night Football. I sweated through that entire game like a child in the principal's office. I have not had a heart race like that since like driving to the hospital uh, for for birth. You know, that was and again, one was far more important than the other. uh, But um, and I'll leave you to guess which one. But um, (laughs) but that was uh, that was a moment. But yeah, uh, you're right. This so when I checked in on the the Chargers coaching situation last week, I did kind of a primer, coaching primer. And the way that it was kind of put to me was 
here's here's three scenarios. One, they don't make the playoffs, probably a coaching change. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at least like the you know this is what people are thinking around this scenario. Um, one was that they make the playoffs and they're terrible, like they get blown out, and then you're thinking, okay, still possibly a coaching change, but you probably just stick with it. You make them play out the third year or you make the playoffs and whatever happens happens in the playoffs. And then you're going to maybe upgrade the offensive staff in the off season. Cause I think this is going to be a good year for assistance and assistant. Yeah. movement. And, and you would have your pick. If you said, Hey, chargers OC job is open. I think you'd have like a waste management open style trampling of people <laughs> trying to get that job, right? Yes. Uh, I think everyone would want a piece of that uh, quarterback at this point. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Let's uh, let's head out to the NFC West here. And I guess we'll start with the Baker Mayfield re- redemption tour at this point. And I don't really know if the baggage is necessarily solved at this point. Uh, you know, if you are considering Baker Mayfield as a potential bridge guy next year, but you know, the, the play on the field is looking a little more promising here and, and, you know, probably making some folks feel better about the prospect of, um, maybe bringing him in at this point as, as a potential bridge guy. I mean, at this point, wouldn't you just, if you were the Rams and I don't know how much money you have, I don't know what your financial situation is looking like for next year, given all of that has happened with Matt Stafford and his shoulder mm-hmm. uh, in the past, and that those issues seem to be somewhat lingering. And I know for a fact, you know, it took some took some biomechanical uh, efforting to get him on the field this year, yeah. even at all, you know. Yeah. But um, if you were the Rams, wouldn't you just sign Baker Mayfield to like a two year, like a like a two year, ten million dollar? or two year, 12 million a year contract and just be like, just be here because it, at least next year, if we lose Matt Stafford again, we don't just waste Cooper cup and Allen Robinson and um, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek, mm-hmm. uh Tyler Higby, <laughs> uh, which by the way, I, I think I've written this like eight times now, but uh, they're receiving depth chart is sneaky deep. There's some talented guys there. Yeah. I now like, that they're like getting reps, yes, I like Tutu Atwell. Um, I can I can live with Ben Skoranek, uh occasionally being on the field. It's yeah, good. it's not bad. Why not? So I just kind of wonder: Would Baker Mayfield want that? Uh, would you come back as a clear backup? And and just so we're all, just to confirm that we're all sane at this point, uh, or as sane as we can be, uh, he would be. Matthew Safford's backup. There's no, there's no conversation to be had there. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not suggesting they go in there and uh, and battle each other. Yeah. In the, uh, but I think, right? It's if you're Baker, it's kind of similar, right? In a weird way, you almost have to do the Geno Smith thing at this point, or you risk putting yourself in another crappy situation like you did this year, where. Let's say you're just you're playing out the string for a yep. lame duck head coach like, you know, maybe you're down in New Orleans. Right. And you're splitting snaps with Taysom Hill and, you know, just hoping that you could win the division at six and, you know, six and eleven. And I don't think that's good for anybody. Whereas I think you just get 
you get tutored up a little bit, maybe just spend a year there and then ask them to do the right thing and cut you in 2024, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Because he's still young, you know? He's still young. Uh, and again, it, it, you're right about the way it played out this year. It, he got to Carolina, which had the most obvious opportunity for playing time, but he ends up linked with a, uh, you know, a team that obviously had a, a issue at head coach. Ben McAdoo has done a, a great job of that offense, but, you know, Baker is not stylistically what Ben McAdoo is looking for. And, you know, there were reports out there that McAdoo was, was not thrilled with the, the prospect of Baker Mayfield when he was coming out. He said it. Yeah. He just told a report, like a reporter called him and he was just like, yeah, I don't like this guy. That was amazing. Yep. It's honesty. You got to be honest sometimes. It was pretty cool. I was happy that he was doing that because, um, you know, so many people just put these takes in here anonymously, you know, be like Gary and I put it on the podcast, you know, just say it out loud. You'll feel better. Denver's got to make a run at him just so he can come in there and be like, yeah, I don't want to work with this guy. Like, can we go get Sam soft. Darnold or something? A Ben McAdoo aside, I do think he is like the ultimate just NFL dad. You know, I got that sense like when I covered him with the Giants where it's like just just a dad, you know, like and in, in the best possible way, yeah. you know, and you get frustrated. You just get tired and you're just like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Like this is this is annoying. And so I, I hope he succeeds because dads are great. Uh, we will go on to Arizona. J.J. Watt announcing his retirement or his coming retirement uh, at the end of the season. Uh, you know, he said that uh, out loud on Wednesday. Uh, so uh, there's not a ton to break down. He's obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is probably on the Mount Rushmore of, of defenders in the history of this game. I mean, at his peak, my goodness. Uh, the, you know, we haven't seen anything like that in this generation. You probably have to go back to, to Lawrence Taylor or something like that. Uh, just, you know, it's, but whatever, not to, not to poo poo on anyone, but, uh, yeah, kind of a bummer that he is wrapping it up with that organization, uh, in this season. Let's move on to the AFC South with the Jaguars, as we knew, have finally taken control of this division. Uh, Look, I, I hope they go to the postseason because they're an interesting team with a great quarterback, and uh, that would be cool. But uh, this Titans team, which, again, they, they've they just been overachieving for so long, uh, I thought it was a little bit of a bummer. I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth on this because when Trey Lance went in last year for, for the 49ers and they kind of redid the offense to be like a lot of read option stuff and, and all that, it was kind of like, ah, oh, well just run the offense. Like what, what is this? Uh, they kind of just, you know, it, 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 it was, it was kind of a hollowed out version of what they do with Ryan Tannehill with a little bit of option stuff sprinkled in, but that was kind of it. And it didn't work against the Texans. Right. Like, I, I didn't know if it was just me. I, I went back and I watched it. And because I'm I'm sorry that that game did not make uh, the <laughs> list of available things for me to do on uh, Christmas. Mm. So um, but I will say that, like, the only cool part of that for their offense was uh, I, I forget who the offensive lineman was that just literally picked him up by the shoulders and threw him into the end zone for his rushing touchdown. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It was a very standard you know let's run play action let's do the ryan Tannehill thing and i was 
kind of shocked uh, because in the preseason, they already kind of got a look at this when they told Willis, like, hey, we're going to bench you if you don't throw the ball after three steps, like three and out, yep. three and out, three yep. and out. Um, and they did. They sat him down because he wasn't he was running too much. But like at this point, you're you've still got like uh, like playoff chances or some kind of an opportunity. Like, I, I don't understand how hard it is to install read option. My only thought is, Gary, that I wonder if Derrick Henry doesn't like that. Like we talked about uh, Nick Chubb maybe not being mm-hmm. like a great read option back. Like maybe Derrick Henry is less a read option back. Like, you know, and they were doing some of it. Like I, I remember writing down, like they did a couple of the long handoff RPO things. Uh, they kind of had the Wake Foresty thing going on or the Florida Tim Tebow thing going slow on. Mesh. But, yeah, a little slow mesh, but not a ton of it. And again, I wonder if that's something where Derrick Henry's like, nah, man, this isn't this isn't how I run. So it's either you're taking me out of the game or you're taking him out of the game and you kind of got to pick one. Yeah, yeah, it's that. And I also wonder, maybe if you're taking a really broad look at this and saying, okay, we don't think we'll have Ryan Tannehill the rest of the year. Uh, let's, you know, what's the point of like just limping to the finish line and maybe getting a one and done playoff berth? Let's see if we can unlock something. Let's, let's try and do this on the fly. Let's try and do it right. And if it works, maybe we are prepped for a deeper run than people think. And if it doesn't work, we're going home anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always a proponent of just getting weird. And I think that they should they should embrace it, right? Yeah. Get a little freaky, you know? Yeah. Uh, weird like Nick Foles as your starting quarterback weird? My goodness. I'm really... He was... Oh. <laughs> could anybody have looked more disinterested in being in that game last night late in the fourth quarter than Nick Foles? Like, <laughs> and he was just getting slammed to the yep. turf. And Jeff Saturday, he was supposed to fix this offensive line, by the way. How's that going? What was it, nine sacks or eight sacks or whatever he took? La- um, I'll look it up so I don't over-exaggerate and get all the Jeff Saturday stands upset. Mm. But, man, oh, man, what were what were we doing? This, this was it's, horrendous. It's getting really bad here. Uh, and, again, there's not necessarily an answer. You've, you've, <laughs> you've already burned down so many portions of the house uh, that there's no going back at this point. Uh, but gosh, seven sacks for Nick Foles. Yeah. Seven sacks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man, this is not a competitive NFL team at this point. Like, and this is reaching a point where it's like, gosh, who wants to be a part of this? Like, what, what is, what is going on here? We're just sprinting in the wrong direction and it's going to take time to get it back to just the point where it was again. it's not working out with Matt Ryan. I understand that. Uh, Sam Ellinger, at least you can have him run around and, and do something. Uh, this was just, this whole game plan was just sort of DOA. And again, I mean, who has to end up wearing this? You know, Jeff Saturday, sure. Jim Irsay, yeah, but what? There, there's no consequences for him in any of this. Uh, Nick Foles, sure. Uh, but he was not going to have a market uh, this offseason anyway. Uh, it's going to be the rest of that staff. It's going to be a lot of the guys who are, uh, you know, sort of uh, second-tier players on that roster, and that's 
uh, again, this is just not NFL football the Colts are are putting out on the field right now. It's it's bad enough that I think, and I'm not saying that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman mentioned it, but they slightly opened the door for the conversation that like they've greatly improved their draft position throughout this, and boy, does that look funny now uh, and borderline suspicious. Yeah. I mean, I, I but the thing is, I, I feel like you would need a miracle for the Texans to. F- play badly enough to lose out on Bryce Young at this point. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? I just, I, I don't know if you're tanking, you're not even tanking the right way. And if you're evaluating Jeff Saturday, you're putting, you're embarrassing the franchise, you're embarrassing yourself and you're putting people in a position where they're going to get seriously hurt. He's acting like, um, Oh gosh, what was the movie? Uh, Little big league. Did you ever see little big league? With the Twins manager. It's like, what happens if a child the becomes, becomes the manager the, of the Twins? Yes, that was the better version of the uh, the other Rookie one. Rookie of the, the year. Pitcher. Yeah. You like that better than uh, Rookie of the Year? Yeah, only because it was better. No. Rookie of the Year had the, um, had the classic line uh, from the character actor. Oh, gosh. He was in... Um, he was... He was the father. He was Henry Rowan Gardner's stepfather, the bad stepfather. Oh, Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I thought, um, I thought you were going to say Daniel Stern. But, uh, but no, 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 no. Daniel Stern is in there too, obviously. Really strong performance. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. All right. Let's see how fast I can IMDB this because it's it's that important to me. Um, oh, IMDB's really changed, the, uh, changed their format here. Oh, Bruce Altman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bruce Altman is Henry Rowan Gardner's stepfather. Man, Bruce Altman's he's legit. I I didn't realize he was in that movie because I haven't seen it in 30 years. Yeah. And had the classic line that my friends and I still quote to this day, which is when Gary Busey took Henry Rowan Gardner under his wing. And then the mom seemed to be drifting more towards Gary Busey in a way from uh, the stepfather, he said, I am sick and tired of hearing about Chet Stedman. And so we always <laughs> say that he was in Ozarks. He was the um, uh, he was in Ozarks for like one episode. He was the guy who was having the affair with Marty Bird's wife and then got thrown off the top of the. Yes. Tower yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. He was at the very beginning. Yep. Very strong performance. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, if you need someone thrown off the top of the tower, you need Bruce Altman. You need Bruce Altman. Uh, but, so, you know, I'm not saying that Jeff Saturday is a child. and, and I, But I'm saying he's coaching like somebody who's just like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Give me give me Matt Ryan back. And then just be like, oh, wait, this doesn't work. Give me give me, uh, give me Nick Foles. Uh, let, let's put him in because he won a Super Bowl. And he's cycling through things like somebody who – and again, okay, Jim Irsay saying I like it because he's not he's he's unafraid. He's not bound by norms. But like there are also <laughs> norms for a reason so that society or your team doesn't devolve into chaos, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh sometimes best Make him the new Twitter CEO. <laughs> sometimes best practices are best. I think that's yes. what we're learning here with the Colts. Yes. Uh maybe he gets the Denver job. That'll uh <laughs> 
Uh, that'll <laughs> size up well. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family plus both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models so no matter your style you can drive efficiently and save on gas so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, <laughs> Let's go to the NFC South, where the Bucks continue to just hang by a thread at this point. And, and like you said, J.J. Watt was dominant on uh, whatever night that was, Christmas night, where, uh, gosh, I, I hope people didn't stay until the end of that game. Um, this Bucks offense just isn't really workable necessarily and again I, I think people are looking for some reason for optimism besides okay well they have Tom Brady so they'll figure it out at some point I don't know if it's getting figured out and one thing I think kind of popped up on uh you know on Sunday night during that game was I don't know if he Brady like weirdly kind of doesn't trust the receivers at this point which is especially problematic like you know we know the offensive line is an issue but 
uh, he's not really making a lot of anticipatory throws either, which is uh, also a huge issue. Yeah, I I wonder what the like deep down. I just I I don't know what he's seeing right now. And obviously, he's seen more football than I will ever see in my entire life, and understands the game at a deeper and more intimate level than I've ever seen. But it's a lot of checkdowns, and checkdowns are good and effective if you then utilize that to push the ball downfield. But it's just this is sixteen points a game, and it is just brutal and. I mean, listen, Rashad White looks good. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rashad White looks looks good. Uh, I think that they're running the ball okay. It's not terrible, but there's there's nothing complimentary. And I don't know if Mike Mike Evans is tired, if he's banged up. I mean, Godwin two weeks ago looked like he was 21 again, and he looked fantastic. I I I, I don't understand how this has gotten to this point it like everybody seems to have aged like 30 years in, yeah. uh, over the course of a uh, half a season yeah and now they got to deal with the panthers uh look panthers can can take control of the division head to head uh they beat the bucks earlier this year it's obviously it's a super 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 run heavy offense they're going with at this point and it's it's working and they're you know they're rolling this thing out in the second half of the season and carolina just kind of looks fresh i know that's not really analysis but uh they just look like they are just ready to keep steamrolling teams uh they have a young fast defense and that's it's adding up to a lot of good football late in the year yeah uh i i they're just bruising and sam darnold is obviously better on the move has been throughout his entire career. I think that there was just one point where, especially with the Jets, where you just couldn't boot him anymore because your run game wasn't good enough. But when any quarterback has a good running game, right, um, they're going to perform better, but especially Darnold, who loves to be booted out. I I still think it might have been as early as, like, the first few weeks of last season. He was, like, the best quarterback when running, in the NFL, like throwing when running in the NFL yep. at one point before he was supplanted in uh, in Carolina last year. So you have it working now. I mean, remember, um, I think his first start, right, was against Matt Patricia and the Lions when they put up his first pass was the pick six. Mm-hmm. His first NFL throw was the pick six. But then they just started obliterating the Lions in the run game. And then he started booting and just whipping long dimes to Robbie Anderson. And I mean, that's kind of how it goes with him. You know, I think he, if he can get on the move, if he can see the field that way, if he has the complimentary running game, like he's all right. Let's, uh, let's move it to the AFC North here where, uh, the Bengals have won seven in a row. They, they are obviously in control of the division at this point, but they have to play Buffalo Monday night. Uh, and, I completely lost track of the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have clinched a playoff spot, and they are within reach of uh, catching the Bengals for the division title uh, should they pick up a game this week. And then, uh, you know, Ravens are playing the Steelers on Sunday night while uh, Bengals-Bills play Monday night. And then the Ravens obviously would uh, have a chance to win the division uh, next week when they play the Bengals, who they've already beaten this year. But, uh, but yeah, this has been with Tyler Humley under center. Uh, at some point, Lamar Jackson gets back, and I guess it's the same question we've been asking about this team basically since Lamar Jackson won MVP a couple years ago is, uh, do you have something sustainable you can run out 
at this point in the season with your offense with Lamar Jackson, or is this going to be uh, let's let our great defense do its thing and let's hope Lamar Jackson makes enough superhero plays to, to carry this thing in, in the postseason? I think that's the uh, that's the, that's the plan, and it just I I think we've said this before. I know that I at least feel it. I remember 2018, 2019. That offense looked poetic. It was everything had a reason. Everything had this flow and this rhythm to it. And now it's just like. And I, I don't want to insult anybody by putting it this way, but it's almost it's almost like the play that Keanu Reeves called at the end of the replacements. Like it's just like I, you know, kind of get down near the end zone and then I'm gonna I'm gonna make things happen back here and I'm gonna whip it if I whip it. And if I don't, um uh then the Sentinels aren't going to the playoffs. I don't know what to tell you. Um what was the uh what's the big line from that? I- heroes live the last thing is heroes live forever. What is it? He says it in the huddle before the. Uh, uh, I've never seen that movie, Connor. You've never seen the replacements? Nah. No, I mean, I could see a reboot with uh, Bruce Altman instead of Keanu Reeves, but <laughs> no, it happened. I, there, okay. there are a lot of movies I haven't seen. There are a lot of movies a lot of people haven't seen, but there are a lot of movies I haven't seen. That's that's one of them. Oh, uh, in the so in the huddle he says pain heals. Um, I'm not going to use the derogatory. Uh, uh, women dig scars. Women like scars and glory lasts forever. Um, I'm not going to say it exactly how he said it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the bit. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson ever says that in the huddle. It'd be cool if it, <laughs> in some way. It'd be neat if he did. But um, uh, yeah, I, that's what it looks like. It looks like the last play from that game where if I'm not mistaken, I think the tight end, he is a deaf tight end. And that's why he was he, he was on the replacement team mm-hmm. that catches the ball in the end zone, and then they send the Sentinels to the playoffs. All right, Washington Sentinels sounds like a good movie. I'll have to check it out. Check it out on <laughs> bad football movies, Gary. Oh, that's right. Well, you can't really see the movie; we don't have rights to it. But that's uh, true. Yeah. Our old uh, we had a very we had an old podcast which you can still look up called Bad Football Movies that I think is worth. I think we did the replacements as well. Yeah. Uh. Also, look, the Steelers are still alive in this thing, which is incredible to me because they are, they're just not a very good team. Uh, The roster's not very good. The quarterback is maybe making progress, but is not, is not really there. And it's just such a testament. I can't believe Mike Tomlin has a chance to avoid, uh, you know, that, that never had a losing season thing, factoid, keep that intact going forward because I didn't think, God, three weeks ago, I didn't think there was any chance. It really has been incredible. And if you look at, so they've been winning games with point totals of 13, uh, 19, 24. They won one with 20. And everyone can say, okay, and I said this about the Ravens too. Everyone says, oh, well, coin flip games, they're winning. Uh, and and it just comes down to them getting some bounces. But I would argue if you're that consistently winning games with 13 points, you're probably doing some little things correct. Yeah, I think you're doing some little things right. Um, those kind of game deciding little moments that are well coached in and well baked into players. And I just think that's one of those situations. I have no doubt they're going to finish. I mean, again, it's so lame that you can't finish 500 now. I'm so disappointed mm-hmm. in that. But I don't think nine and eight's out of, out of the realm of possibility. I think that they would absolutely love 
to mess with the Ravens and yeah. and totally send their uh, their postseason a little bit haywire. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that's going to stick in their craw if they do end up missing the playoffs is that loss to the Ravens a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, Tyler Huntley game. We had Anthony Brown get in there, too, for a little bit. And uh, they got out physical. They got run over uh, in the second half of that game. And that's that's why they lost. And it was uh, it's bitter enough to lose to the Ravens. But uh, when the Ravens do to you what you want to do to, to other teams, it's it's a bummer. It's uh, it is something else. Um, but I love it. I love watching the Steelers just kind of ugly it up. And I think I think next year with. Kenny Pickett in that receiving core. I mean, I'm not putting 11 wins outside their own possibility. Sure. If he takes a step this offseason, like I, I think that team could could be really good. Like nasty good. Yeah, I'm open to it with the coaching staff. I don't know if the quarterback gets there, though. We'll figure it out later. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about it after dinner. <laughs> Let's go to the NFC North. Uh, the Vikings win another weird one. I mean, how many games did the Vikings lose under Mike Zimmer where the kicker just missed an inexplic- inexplicable, makeable kick? And uh, that's the way it goes. Now we have Greg Joseph just bombing 61 yarders to uh, to win games here. And that's been the difference uh, this year. So the Vikings keep on winning weird games. Uh, the Lions stumble at this point. But uh, the Packers are kind of the story right now. They're back in it. Uh, they're back in the playoff hunt. I don't know if you would necessarily look at that win in Miami and say like, oh yeah, this is how it's done. I mean, they, you know, they get three interceptions of, uh, of, of Tua Tungabailoa in the fourth quarter. Uh, they got that long kick return early and that sort of set up a score. But other than that, it doesn't seem terribly sustainable. I think the one thing, the one piece of optimism I take from, uh, uh, from the performance on Sunday is that the linebackers played the best that they have in a while. Uh, Devondre Campbell has obviously been hurt a little bit this year. Uh, and Quay Walker, Quay Walker might end up being really good. He's just, uh, he wasn't quite ready this year. And I think it's really he's, shown up. He's had a couple of good moments, Quay Walker, over the last few weeks, like really has been flashing. And this this team is starting to put together all the moment, like uh, I, I noticed, especially against the Dolphins, right? Christian Watson lining up to Rogers' left and and beating his guy off the line and just being there for those quick RPO throws that Rodgers and Devontae Adams lived off of because Adams could win so easily off the mm-hmm. line. And that component of the offense is starting to come back. And uh, if even if that doesn't work, they were sticking him in the backfield and trying to get him the ball out of the backfield. They're just everything is a little bit easier than it was. And AJ Dillon just turned on the, you know, the armadillo mode. Like he's starting yeah. to pummel over people again, and he was not doing that at all earlier this season. Trust me, he. I had to convince my fantasy football co-manager to draft him very <laughs> high this year and i've been spending the entire season defending aj dillon and now it's aj dillon time uh but yeah this um i don't know i th- i would not want to play them in the playoffs would you like if you're like this if they sneak in somehow on the seventh seed and you're the number two in the nfc i mean i wouldn't mind it you don't. I mean, look. Everyone in the playoffs is is pretty good. 
don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to overstate it. I don't think they're necessarily more dangerous than. I just. I don't think it's quite there offensively. Uh, it's not going to be like it was a year ago. I'm trying to think of a scenario if the defense keeps on improving because that's really what has been the difference between this year and last. Yes, no Devontae Adams offense slid back a little bit. The defense really slid back this year. I thought this might be like a top five unit uh, in 2022. It just hasn't been close. But again, if if Quay Walker is going to continue to improve, if Devondre Campbell is kind of solidifying this thing, uh, now you might have something defensively that you just didn't have for uh, the first two and a half months of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think too, we're all, we're all living in this moment to moment sort of reality where we do overreact. And again, that win over the dolphins. I don't know if you saw, did you see on Twitter that somebody captured a really hard head hit that Tua took in like the first quarter that was not flagged by any of the concussion experts. And now all of a sudden Tua is in concussion protocol again. Yeah. That, there's theoretically a chance that he played like three quarters with a serious head injury. And I'm not saying that, you know, quarterbacks used to do that all the time, you know, I guess before we had the protocols in place, but sure. I mean, does that play into a defense's advantage if a guy is just kind of not all there at the moment, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, again, there's no way of knowing what exactly went on. Uh, I, I think there's obviously a much bigger sort of long-term concern uh and we can actually transition really nicely to the afc east with that uh and what's going on with the dolphins at this point the long-term concern with the uh, two is head injuries is the bigger issue at this point i you know uh, who knows uh what the short-term effect was at that point but um it obviously is an offense that is not playing at the level that they were playing mid-season when everyone was was downright giddy about it and rightfully so uh and defensively they're just they're just not good enough uh they have a lot of injury issues at the cornerback position obviously no byron jones uh you know Xavier howard has been playing well this year but he's playing hurt and it's just kind of a rotation of you know uh sort of fringy third fourth cornerbacks in there who are just not quite holding up and you know bradley chubb they they invested in him like he was a difference maker. I don't really think he is, and, and he certainly hasn't been to this point in Miami. The pass rush has not uh, been huge at this point. I, I don't. I just don't think it adds up to... Uh, if you are looking at Miami and, and saying, okay, their 49ers East is, is what you're aspiring to be, the defense is not within a million miles of, of what the 49ers no. defense is. And then on top of that, the offense is obviously, you know, kind of... Everyone has made an adjustment, and you haven't really shown the ability to uh, to truly counterpunch at this point. It it it's kind of it's just running out. You're just running out of gas. And I think the way if you want to play that style of football, you know, I think the difference between the Dolphins and the 49ers is that the 49ers baseline. While they do have the speed, I think the baseline is the ruggedness, right? Is the durability. I think that's something that Debo Samuel has, that George Kittle has, that certainly uh, Christian McCaffrey has had. I mean, he's a running back, so you Mm -hmm. have to have some element of durability. Brandon Ayuk. Um, But with the Dolphins, it's like, okay, yeah, let's run that offense and let's be tough and physical, but also kind of our main thing is speed. And when you try to run speed and physicality, through the same sort of conduit 
it, it does become difficult after a little while because speed it wears down towards the end of a long season. It just does. Uh, and I think that that's where we're seeing it. You know, these guys can't really punch in the mouth. Although the first couple of uh, plays against Green Bay, they were just gashing the Packers. Yeah. But then again, once that slows down, what what are you left with and what are you able to do? The uh, the Patriots still can play their way into the postseason here. Uh, I will just say this uh, about New England. We know about the offensive issues and, and Matt Patricia, and they're going to have to do something different at offense coordinator in all likelihood uh, for 2023. Uh, the defense still continues to be really, really good. Uh, we didn't talk about it because the game was just overshadowed by the ridiculous ending when, when they lost in Vegas, but... Uh, Man, that Kyle Duggar pick six in that game of uh, it was a Devontae Adams sort of, sort of quick screen and Duggar is not even covering it. Duggar's in like the overhang uh, position there and just, you know, it's just a well-prepared defense where he recognizes something and just at the snap, just all out sprint to Adams and ends up picking it off and, and walking in for a touchdown. Like those plays sort of still pop up with his defense, which is really, really good. And they just haven't really caught a break this year. Uh, you know, they were, it looked like they were getting their, their doors blown off by the Bengals on Saturday. They end up getting back into it and they get sort of a weird fumble call where, you know, Ramondo Stevenson loses the ball, but, I'd say probably 90% of the time that play has been uh, blown dead on, on forward progress at that point, but they let it go. He loses the fumble game gets away from him, but uh, it's still a good team. I mean, this is the kind of team that I would not want to see in the playoffs uh, unless I guess I was the bills or something. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It, because solely because of that defense though. I mean, like you said, they have had, so many good moments this year where they are just and it's crazy i think as a just as a coach of one unit mm -hmm. bill belichick has had one of the best years that he's had in the last like five or six years i think the patriots have been so on it and so over prepared and they've been coming up with so many unique things despite the fact that they're a little bit overmanned i think that they've come up with some unique ways to slow down the dolphins and their backfield motion, which we've seen. They've come up with some, I mean, Jamar chase was targeted a lot. Didn't destroy the, the Patriots. I think that they're forcing teams out of their comfort zone with such regularity. And sometimes in the grind of a playoff game, that can just be the story of the game. I mean, look at their super bowl win over the Rams. That was bill Belichick playing good defense and, that was it. The you know the Patriots didn't have to do anything else. Oh man, the the issue they're going to have here is the Bills will probably have something to play for in Week 18, unless the Jerry Rossberg, uh, you know, Chiefs or excuse me, Jerry Rossberg Broncos end up upsetting the Chiefs. Uh, Bills will need to win that game to uh, to go on, and they just I mean the Bills just kind of own the Patriots at this point is what we've learned over the last uh, two years here. Uh, and we also have Mike White coming back for the Jets. Probably too little, too late, but I don't know. Get something going, going into the offseason. I don't think, I, I know there's talk of, you know, it's not over for Zach Wilson. I think once you are taken out of the game that you're trailing by 13 points for Chris Streveler, who, 
has a skill set, but does not have a skill set to score many points in a short period of time, uh, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, I mean, just to watch... Jets fans love chaos. They love pain. I think they just... they subconsciously they will it upon themselves because listening to the chants of we want Flacco in the driving rain on Thursday when their receivers coach was already suspended for gambling and it was just like wow this what a what a time to be the Jets and again I don't think it's it's not circus-esque like it had been in the past certainly not uh, because I think the Jets the fact that they you know they don't allow this to play out you know i think robert saw like yeah all right just put strevler in you know and i thought the way he tried to defend zach wilson after and saying hey we want some read option stuff going right now and so strevler has more of the body type and we we were going to put zach back in but we just decided not to at that point i thought it was a fine explanation but it's just like if you're zach there's probably no coming back from that in new york unless you're thrust into action again and can somehow heroically endear yourself back to the team, which I just, I don't yeah. think is possible. You know, yeah. I mean, they are running out of quarterbacks to bench him in favor of, but uh, yeah. Chris Strebler, I would have a hundred percent thought was some sort of new country singer. If you were, and that okay. like, not because he looks like one, but I heard mm-hmm. on TV, like Chris Strebler. And I was like, Oh neat. Is he playing like the halftime show? <laughs> Or something. Easy. It's like, oh wow, it's it, it, that's the quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Does he have a fancy like song? Oh God. Oh man. Uh, stop. <laughs> let's wrap it up with the NFC East. Uh, Eagles. They're still uh, basically magic numbers one to get that number one seed. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Uh, you know, we neglected to add Gardner Minshew to our uh, you know. 2023 quarterback possibilities, but he is a free agent this upcoming offseason. Uh, Connor, what do you think? Would you or wouldn't you with Gardner Minshew? Uh, I don't know. Possibly? <laughs> right? If you, I mean, if you were, let me put it this way, if you were the Washington Commanders this uh, upcoming offseason uh, and you have another quarterback controversy here with will, will it be the taxpayer Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz or, uh, or maybe even Sam Howell from here on in, uh, do you upgrade with Minshew over those guys? Oh, boy. Um, uh, they can't do that, right? If you're the commanders, like, you can't do that. That that can't be your three options going into next season. Oh, my gosh. I Okay, if I were, uh, if I were Gardner Minshew, I wouldn't do that. Okay. If I if I were Gardner Minshew, I'd rather just be the good-looking, jean short wearing backup, you know, fun having, you know, hash slinging guy. You know, I don't know why I said hash slinging. Yeah. That's from SpongeBob, okay. the hash slinging slasher. It worked. You, you, yeah, it yeah, worked. Yeah. Um, I'm not suggesting he's selling hash. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get any ideas about Gardner Minshew that isn't true. <laughs> It just felt like kind of a fun adjective that could work for him. That's yes. All. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd rather be that guy than be like Ron Rivera's third option to, I don't know, to destroy halfway through the season. Mm. I wouldn't do that. Um, if I were Gardner Minshew, I would do like Saints. 
Okay. I would do Saints. Yep. Um, nice, I would nice maybe do indoors, yeah. Titans, right? Yeah. You'd go there and you'd compete for the job, probably win it. I, uh, you know, they can cut Tannehill after this year. Yep. You could, you could beat Malik Willis in, in training camp. Um, or you'd do something fun. You'd be like Pat Mahomes' bro in Kansas City, you know, yeah. and just be like, yeah, you know, and just be like the – what's – how does uh, Top Gun work? Is there Maverick and Goose? Yeah. Is And they're friends and they fly an airplane together? Do you, have you seen Top Gun? Uh, I saw the, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Top Gun. I saw Gun. the original a long time ago. I didn't see the new one. Okay. I don't think Goose makes it, well, though. I don't want yeah. to upset you don't at spoil. the end of the show. Yeah. Yikes. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And what you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free an epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with american express you breeze through the card member entrance stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.